0: The views expressed come from men who've spent half their lives in grease stained overalls, inhaling hazardous fluids. Before taking any advice, consider the source. This program will contain humor of a questionable nature.
1: A mechanic tries to fix your car, no matter if you're near or far. Here, change your oil or fix your flat, and he'll do it just like that.
0: Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car question for Dave or Alan? Call now 416 360 0740 or toll free at 1 866 740 4740.
2: I had to do that all by myself today. That was well done. Thank you very much. That is the voice of Brian Masks. Of course, I am the voice of Alan Gelman. that be me. And uh, this is Dave's Corner Garage. Uh, Dave's not here. He's in Florida. I'd like to say he's at the Daytona, but I don't think he's there yet. When is the Daytona race? Uh, you know, the Daytona 500, I yes. think, oh, is in okay. February. Yeah, February.
3: Okay. I'm going down in a week and a half for the Daytona 24 hours, the Rolex
2: 24. That's because Brian here, he is uh, an automotive journalist, a blogger, race car driver too. Now, do you race cars for fun or profit? Uh,
3: sometimes for fun,
2: mostly for fun, and sometimes <laughs> for profit. Well, you know, you know the old line: eh? how do you make a small fortune out of racing?" Oh,
3: I've, I've witnessed that. I've witnessed $3 million go up in uh, tire smoke.
2: There you go. So yeah. how you make a small fortune? Is starting with a large one. That's right. Yeah, it costs a lot of money to race a car. It sure does. It yeah, sure does. I mean, you know, it, we're not talking about development, but just, you know, you take a car and you build it. In NASCAR race, I just was at Homestead. That car's worth about three hundred grand, and they crash them like nothing.
3: And, and in NASCAR, they make multiple cars per season. I mean, dozens of them.
2: Exactly, exactly. All right, well, we're going to have Trevor Hutchison on the, with us today. He's from Crown Rust Proofing, of course. We're going to give out some sets of floor mats. We've got a couple sets of Crown floor mats. They're really nice. They're rubber. They will hold the water and salt, which, which you need to protect the carpets these days. Um, so if you give us a call with your car care question or any kind of question at all, we've got Fred's on the line already. You've got he tire about a tire about questions. A tire boat Questions? A tire boat question. Nice. <laughs> this is Dave's Corner Garage. My name is Alan Gelman. Beside me is Brian Mass. And after the break, we're going to have Trevor Hutchison from Crown with us. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave's Corner Garage. I'm back. My name is Alan Gelman. I'm from Glen Allen Motors up in Downsview. And if you're up in the neck of the woods, you're welcome to drop by. We can have a coffee. We can chat. I can even fix your car if you want. Good idea? That's a great idea. (laughs) You like that, eh? All right, we've got Trevor Hutchison on the phone with us. He is from Crown, and he's donated a couple sets of floor mats. And uh, Trevor, nice talking to you today. Hey, good morning, Alan. Morning, Brian. Now, now, if you, you know, we're trying to do our best to make it sound good, but Trevor's not actually here, and that's because we've had some amazing, amazingly bad weather in uh, southern Ontario. Trevor, um, thanks for joining us via Ma Bell's phone. We you do appreciate welcome. that. You know, we've, it's really been a, a roller coaster of, of weather in the last couple of weeks here in, in, in southern Ontario. You know, we've gone from plus to minus to rain to snow to fog to extended periods of ice. Um, how does this affect your car?
4: Well, even if you just look in the last, not even week, just last probably 72 hours, we've had over a 19 degree temperature swing.
2: It's been crazy. And
4: you know, if if it stays cold, like it is today, corrosion is, is virtually dormant mm-hmm. because there's, there's just no moisture that's out there. But when, when we were on just going back to Thursday, we were eight, nine degrees in the city of Toronto And yesterday we were minus nine. Today we're a little bit colder, minus 12, minus 14. Mm -hmm. But that that constant temperature change really creates moisture. And that's what really accelerates the corrosion. Uh, So You know, we're already looking at this year just so far. If we go back into December, Mm -hmm. we've probably had a worse winter from a corrosion point of view than we have in the last four or five
2: years. Well, now that my car looks like a salt shaker, uh, (laughs) and and, and it's difficult, obviously, when it's this cold to get it washed. Um, Let's say I'm thinking about, you know, taking your advice and having it sprayed. Can we do that when it looks like the way it does? You can.
4: there are a couple of factors that are a little different in getting your vehicle, you know, rust protected at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, one is it does take a little bit longer because usually a cleaning's involved. Uh, we we run a desalting program that we do for the chassis mm-hmm. uh, prior to our crown treatment, and then we also uh, use the same product called Salt Eliminator when we when we wash the vehicle. But where the where the challenge is is that sometimes if we get a little bit colder, is that the metal needs to acclimate to the temperature. Well, exactly. Um, Otherwise,
2: you know, you hit it with the, the, the spray gun. I'm sure all those people have gone through the drive-through car washes, and you hit it with the gun, and your car now looks like a, an icicle.
4: That's, that's right. And, and you, can, you can think about it, too, is, is that uh, metal, much like our skin, is porous. hmm and so what happens is when it's cold, the pores of the metal are are, are closed. Uh-huh. The warmer it is, they open up. So e- even when we spray, like we we heat up our product when we spray it on the vehicle because we want to be able to get it to creep and to penetrate.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, you can heat the product up, but when the metal's cold, uh, it just won't spread the same. So uh, usually when it comes in, it, it probably takes an extra 15 or 20 minutes uh, if the vehicle's really dirty, it could take as much as a half hour longer uh, to be able to properly treat the vehicle.
2: Actually, that's exactly what I was going to ask you, how long the process takes. Yeah. But So the actual spray, you know, normally only about 15, 20 minutes, but now it's going to take double that time just to warm it up.
4: Yeah. And it depends how many technicians you have working on it. You know, when, when somebody calls into one of our shops, you know, we'll, we'll tell them that the application on an average vehicle is about an hour, um, it, you know, if, you know, if, some of, the, some of the vans and the pickup trucks where you have to remove taillights to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's never been sprayed before, it takes a little bit longer as well to provide the access holes. But really, cleaning cleaning is such a huge issue at this time of year.
2: Well, you know what? And people don't realize, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in the repair car repair business, and, and we do a lot of tires, for example. Um, you know, somebody comes in and they want to have tires switched over. You're talking about 45, 50 series tires. When they're frozen... Um, they don't move, do they? <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't want to move. Exactly. So we, we try to bring in the car and, and get it acclimatized, like you're saying, to at least warm up a bit, because otherwise it's just a battle to do it. And like you say, too, you know, when you have to dismantle. How, how many vehicles are out there that you actually have to take parts off to gain access?
4: Um, well, most most of the vans um, you, can, you can access without, say, removing taillights, but, mm-hmm. but pickup trucks? And heavy-duty, you know, if you look at ones like Sprinters and that,
1: mm-hmm.
4: uh, all of those you need to remove the taillights yeah. because the, to, to fully access the back boxed-in section, mm-hmm. uh, you simply can't do it from either factory plugs or from plugs that may actually be inside the vehicle.
2: You talk about factory plugs. Um, so the manufacturers provide holes for you to get access to? Well, the reason those holes are
4: there for the manufacturer is a lot more for their manufacturing process. Um, like, I'll give you an example. Like, a company like Honda, for instance, mm-hmm. um, up in their plant in Alliston, when, when the, the shell of the vehicle comes in, uh, they actually dip it Uh, in a form of like an acid bath Mm -hmm. to remove scale in that. The holes that are there that we may see in the chassis underneath are really there as much to allow the liquid to drain out Mm. as they are anything else. So the manufacturer doesn't provide them as much for uh, technician access as they do to facilitate the manufacturing process
2: right, so really they 're put there for them, not not for you that's right
4: no, no, there are sometimes, and we you know very candidly, we do have people that come in mm-hmm. uh, you know say you 've got a, a brand new lexus, and they go, you know I, I really don't want holes drilled right, so you know we'll tell them no problem we can we can spray the vehicle to the best of our ability, we can't put a warranty on it because we can't guarantee we can access all the areas right but we, we still can spray the vehicle, but there's another good example of an area where it may take a little longer to do the vehicle. Right. Well, because I had to go through and, and, uh, remove some of the factory plugs, uh, because in some vehicles, especially sp- higher end vehicles like Jags and that they, they have different boxed in sections than most vehicles do.
2: Now, do you get, uh, you obviously don't get, um, you know, microfish or pictures from the manufacturer to show you those sections. Do you? Um, well, there, there are uh,
4: resources, and mm-hmm. we have a database at our head office that our technical department continues to update of about 1,300 different vehicle types uh-huh. that are on the road. And so this is part of our training process for our technicians as to how to access vehicles, right. uh, areas to be careful of. Um, you know, for instance, when the hybrids came out,
3: mm-hmm.
4: you know, so the question was, well, uh, you know, are you able to spray hybrids and things like that? So right. so our technical department will go into that, uh, not just from our product standpoint, but uh, equally as important is from an application standpoint, because uh, many times they will run their electrical uh, different ways through the frame. Mm-hmm. So exactly. all of those things need to, need to be done.
2: Perfect. Um, yeah, it's not just a case of, come on, boss, let me spray her. You know, you do have to have a brain on your shoulder. And, uh, and you guys have the technical, uh, you have access to the information that they need. Uh, we're also going to give us a, a spray out. Is that right today? Yeah,
4: we, w- we want to give uh, one of the callers. Uh, I'll leave that maybe up to Brian can choose today. Uh, that we will give them a free Crown application.
2: And you can't do it for your own car, Brian. I've got two that I need to actually. <laughs> well,
4: Brian will definitely look after.
2: <laughs> All right, this is Dave's Corner Garage. We've got Brian Mast. We've got uh, Trevor Hutchinson from Crown. And uh, we have you, and we're going to get to your calls right after this break. This is Dave's Corner Garage. And we're back. Uh, my name is Alan Gelman. This is Brian Mask. And we have Trevor Hutchison on the phone. Trevor, are you willing and able to take a phone call? Of course. All right. Well, we've got Raymond in Hamilton who's got
6: a question about Crown. Raymond, go ahead. Okay. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. you uh, I do have a 2005 Dodge Caravan. hmm And I've been treating the car for uh, since I bought it in 2009. Yep. And uh, I've been going to the same place for several years, and then a couple of years ago I noticed that they removed the backlight of the van
2: mm-hmm.
6: right behind there. Correct. And then the following year they didn't do it. Right. So when I went, the next time I asked the, uh, the manager there, I say, are they supposed to remove those uh, lights? Right. And he said, no, only on the pickup truck. So I said, okay. So it uh, happened then later on for the next year uh, to bump into uh, in, uh, Ken Parkinson, who has a shop up on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And I asked to him whether the, they have to remove them. He said they're supposed to remove them.
2: All right, but initially you, they were removed and your car was sprayed, correct? Pardon me? Initially your car, the taillights were removed the first time, no, right?
6: No. no, for years. They had never removed them the, Okay. Yeah, about seven years, they never removed, them. and then about the 80, uh, or the next year, and suddenly I saw the guy, In all these times that the broke car, only once was uh, removed. Trevor? Yeah, and yeah, then so uh, Jeremy said, um, can, uh, he, even in the garage, he removed the lights and show me. See, hmm. it has not been sprayed. There's no holes or no, nothing in there, so it's supposed to be moving.
2: Well, question, when he took the taillight out, how did the body look underneath?
6: When he took it out.
2: Yes, Ray, did it, how did it look back there?
6: Well, I wasn't that close. I just asked him, you know, why they take it out. They said, well, they have to spray behind it because there's no holes, right? All right
2: not a problem.
4: Trevor? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that, that kind of goes to what we were talking about before the break, particularly on on vans, is that, uh, and, and uh, Ken's exactly right, what he told you about uh, with the, the pickup trucks, um, with the vans is that the vans can also be accessed, uh, through interior plugs
1: mm-hmm. uh,
4: to get into it. Very honestly, uh, it's easier to remove the taillight, believe it or not, and spray it through there because of we use a five-foot rod that covers the back part of it. It's much easier to spray. It actually takes less time to do it. Um, sometimes what happens when people come in, uh, the determination will be made if they have a lot of stuff that may be in their trunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's harder to access it. Oh, please.
2: You know, it's tire changeover season. I have to get into your trunk. You know, what were you thinking? You know, Uh, you know, or the famous question, of course, is, do you know where your wheel lock is? And, you know, it's like, what's a wheel lock? (laughs) Well, it should be there. Could you your fellows could go through my trunk? Well, hello! You got ten pounds of sand and salt back there, and horse manure. Uh, yeah, we have nothing better to do than spend an afternoon emptying your trunk. You have a uh, detail service, right? That's what you <laughs> exactly. That's right. Trevor, actually, Brian's got a question for us. He's uh, he doesn't just drive race cars, but he has some regular four wheel cars too.
3: I know it's crazy. Who knew that, uh, <laughs> that I had road cars? But I've got a couple of uh, road cars that are, uh, are a few years old that have never been uh, treated. Trevor, so what's uh, what's the what's the best Way to go about it to really, you know, particularly one of these cars. I want to, I want to keep for a while. So, what's the best way to uh, to to deal with this? They, you know, they've been on Canadian roads and Ontario roads for for quite a while. So, there's a little bit of corrosion. But how would you how would you best deal with that?
4: And, and how old would they be, Brian? Uh,
3: one is six years old, and the other is uh, ooh, what is it? Twelve years old. Okay,
4: so so I'll, I'll start maybe with the the twelve year old one first, but the the principle will apply to to your other vehicle as well. Is that you know, that, that would be the first question we'd always ask you, are you going to keep the vehicle, right? right. Uh, especially especially with a 12-year-old vehicle. If if you told me, look, I'm just trying to get a, a couple years out of it, it, it may not be to your advantage to do it. Um, what we would do is, even when you came in, is we'd do an inspection on it for you. Because, I mean, you're, you're in the industry, so you've probably had an opportunity to see the chassis of your vehicle. Most right. people don't.
3: That's right. They, most, they don't. most people don't look. I mean, I, I've, right. I've, I've been underneath both cars for sure.
4: Right. I'll, I'll give you an example. We had a vehicle in it at one of our shops uh, in um, the South Shore of Montreal this week, a brand new Nissan. Had 100 kilometers on it. When we put it up on the hoist, the frame rust was unbelievable. Already? P-
3: what what, oh, model, what,
4: hey, what I, model was that? You said it was
2: a brand new car. It,
4: it, it was. And so, you know, we were really surprised. So, of course, wow. um, our our shop manager called into our head office to talk to our technical department, asked if this was a known problem, is this a one-of. And so, basically, what happened is then the, the technician showed the customer, and the customer was basically sent back to the Nissan dealership. Right. Uh, now, in, in investigating this, you know, this was a vehicle that had a... a a manufacturer's production date uh, going back into mid-2017. So just from the transportation for the factory and sitting on the lot, that's where this surface rust came from.
3: No kidding.
4: Right? And, and, and that's, that's not an uncommon sight. Now, is it, is it a big structural issue? No. Is it unsightly? Would it worry somebody that just spent you know $25,000 on a new car? For sure it is.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I had a fellow in with a, a big Dodge Ram, and, and he was kind of ticked because he said, I looked underneath because it was so high to begin with. Right. But he could see the differential, the axle, things like that. And, and of course, he could see that they were rusty. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to tell him that, well, it, it's they're not really protected from the factory, Right.
1: And
4: oh, that's, that's right. They they'll put a, Usually manufacturers put some kind of a wax into the doors. Um, they may paint part of the chassis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when, when you look at the, the grade of, of metal that's being used, and then you add uh, the moisture, the content, uh, the chlorides, and, and vehicles that just sit, they don't drive.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So
4: that, that, that's really, I mean, you, you can even see it. I mean, you see it all the time, Alan, in, in brake lines that are seized up. Uh, and and you get to vehicles that just don't put enough kilometers on.
2: Exactly. Driving, you know, having them sit is worse than driving. All right, just stick around. We do have another Crown question after this break. We've got uh, Trevor Hutchison from Crown. We've got Brian Mask. And uh, we'll be back after this message. And we're back. My name is Alan Gemma. I'm just laughing and talking with Brian Mask here. You know, he's an automotive journalist and... Uh, different, you know, we, we do get to test things. I, I was invited to a tire test once. I was really amazed at how they set it up. You know, they had a skid pad, and they had this huge plastic sheet, and they, they nailed it all to the ground, Yeah, and they covered it with water or antifreeze. They, yeah, probably they have, just some water. There's, there's
3: some pretty sophisticated things they do for events like that.
2: Yeah, it, it was pretty amazing, and, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to... Now, now, for the most part, you know, you and I are, you know, uh, automotive experts, but... <laughs> You know, uh, we're not doing technical analysis here. We're just doing our own impressions, right? That's right. And, uh, you know, we don't have all the gauges and, 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 and numbers in front of us, but you know if you like something or you don't like something.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, for me as a racing driver, I'm I'm concerned with with how you sit in the vehicle and mm-hmm. what those first-level controls are because that is your first level of safety right there. Right. And that's my primary consideration. If you don't sit right in the car, well, you got to start looking somewhere else.
2: Exactly. All right, well, we've got Trevor on the phone still with us. Trevor, you still there? I am still here Alright, well we got Howard in Kitchener Who's been spraying his van with Crown for years Howard, how are you? Uh, not bad, you? Great, thank you
7: Good uh, Yeah, I've got a 2014 Turing Country And since I got it, I've been spraying it mm-hmm. And uh, the hood, it's starting to bubble So now I'd like to know like After when I go this year to get it um resprayed. Mm-hmm. Is there any special way to get into the seams? It's right at the corner of the where the seam is on the hood
4: Okay. So, so Howard, do you, do you have any noticeable paint chips?
7: Uh, no, that No, area? Chips, it's just start bubbling. So I the took to it Chrysler, bumping. it's still under the warranty mm-hmm. and they replaced the hood.
4: Oh. oh, they, they did replace the hood.
7: Yeah, they did replace the hood, but I, like I go every May mm-hmm. to get it sprayed. So now is there any special way to get in the corners uh, that, that I don't have that problem again?
4: Well, one of the, one of the, challenges with, with the hood part. I'm interested that they replace the hood for you.
2: Well, that was good news. Um,
4: yeah, that's, that's really good news. <laughs> that's excellent. Um, that, that's, that's not always the case um, with the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with the hood, especially on, on the seams, because we spray along it, mm-hmm. um, one of the challenges that usually happens is it's an area where you get stone chips. And, and it doesn't need to be very big. And why the bubbling occurs is because moisture gets underneath the paint. And many times you won't actually see it rusted because it'll do exactly what you said. It'll start bubbling up. Mm-hmm. So um, there are a couple things you can do from the outside in to protect it. You can put uh, some of that uh, 3M film on it. can help to mitigate the damage from stone chips. Um, but I would mention it when you go in in May. Uh, do you go to Kitchener or Waterloo? Howard? Uh, grow. The Guelph store? Oh, yeah. oh, you go to Guelph. Okay, yeah. so, so when you go in there, uh, talk, talk to the shop manager, to Steve. Just let them know what's happened with your vehicle. Okay, because if you've been spraying it from new too, you also have a new vehicle warranty with us. Right. But let them know it was replaced. Yeah. Uh, and let them know the reason it was replaced as well, and they'll get a chance to visually inspect it for you and help you with that.
2: All right, Howard, just to help you, what we're going to do is we're going to put you on hold and uh, Sebastian's going to take your phone number, and we're going to help you out with uh, paying for that uh, spray. How's that?
7: Okay, good, thanks.
2: All right, super. Stay on the line, then, and uh, Sebastian will get your number. But, Trevor, there is obviously some responsibility on the car owner's part um, in in terms of, you know, we talked about stone chips and whatever. Um, How do they do that, and when's the best time of year to take care of that?
4: Oh, that's that's a great question, Alan. Um, I, <laughs> my own vehicle has about four stone chips on it that <laughs> uh, that started to rust pretty quickly, and I've I've got a black vehicle, so it it shows up like a sore thumb. Um, in, in the winter, when it's this cold, if you don't have the ability to kind of clean the area and get it into a, a garage where you've got a reasonable temperature, mm-hmm. um, to say. Uh, put the touch-up paint on it. Right. Um, what I would suggest, we suggest to a lot of people, you can simply use something as simple as Vaseline. Oh, really? No kidding. Believe it or not. Um, but you do need to repair the paint chips. There's, mm-hmm. there's no question because it, it will continue to get worse, and particularly if you're on a on an edge or a seam, because uh, when you get when you're on a flat surface, the the paint actually adheres better, but. It, it, it's weaker once it gets chipped. Moisture will get in and run along, and it may go six inches over and a bubble will occur. And and that's pretty common, and, and the only way to really properly fix that is to uh, to get that repaired or touched up. So a lot of times when people come in, and we see this a lot in our spring applications, mm. is we'll note on our inspection sheet for people if there's significant paint chips and what they can do to protect
2: well, exactly. Like I say, they're going to have to take care of that because it can't be your responsibility. Um, you got to take care of it yourself and uh, either get it professionally done or, or go to Shopper's on Thursday because uh, that's old-timers to get a discount day, and you can get all the Vaseline you want. Uh, is, that, is
3: that Senior's Day at <laughs>
2: Exactly. Senior's Day. Trevor, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the great information.
4: Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great weekend. Everybody. And
2: you too, my you friend. You too. Thanks, Trevor. All right. We got... We got Fred on the line. We got Philip on the line. We got Gary. We're going to take those calls right after this break. This is Dave's Corner Garage. And this is Dave's Corner Garage, and we're having a blast here. Sure are. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks
3: for having me. It's a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> it really is. You know, and if you want to get some more of this fun, you can go to com. We do have a website, and you can get car care tips. As a matter of fact, our buddy Dave, who's in Florida right now, in fact, I watched the video, and I was looking for palm trees, but I- I'm not sure, but he was doing uh, some tire tips, as a matter of fact. No kidding. Yeah, I- important, whether you're down south or up north. You got to get those tires checked. You got to make sure that you know look for for nicks. You got to check the pressures. Uh, it's funny. I don't know why is it people think that there's a big difference between winter air and summer air. You had that question?
3: I've I've never had that question. But you know tire. <laughs> you know for me tires are so often overlooked by the average driver, even
2: the experienced driver. They're so important. It's well, the, exactly. It's the only contact you have to the road. That's right. And and what the patch size is roughly the size of your hand. Roughly the size of your palm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: So you've got four of those connecting the car to the road
2: exactly and you know we talk about performance vehicles and, and how people for example think that they should go buy you know better brake rotors for example we were talking about slotted and drilled rotors that's right well if you have ball tires not racing slicks, i'm talking about <laughs> right. legitimate tires yes you know you can bring that wheel right to a stop it doesn't make a difference it's not there's no adherence to the pavement
3: that's right, it's, it's, you know, and, and you know, that's the funny thing with, uh, with, with people thinking about braking and, yeah. and all this sort of, everything that the car does dynamically is a function of the tire, and never never skimp on your tires.
2: Well, and they spend millions of dollars on engineering, okay, yep. and, and these people are going to engineer the vehicle, assuming that it's driven and it has the same equipment on it that comes from the factory. Not, yes. They're not redesigning it, you know. right. All right. We've got a tire question. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk to Fred in line one. Fred, thanks for hanging on. What can we do for you?
1: Hi. Thanks very much for taking my question. Uh, It is uh, to do with tires. I have to get, uh, my mechanic told me, two new tires. He said to put two on the front and take the front ones, put them on the back. But it's, it, even though it's an all-wheel drive vehicle, uh-huh. and I, my understanding was for four-wheel drive, you have to buy four tires. Is that, is that a fact, or can I use two tires, uh, buy two new tires? And do they have to be the same brand as
2: what's existing right now? Okay, that's about three different questions, but we'll yeah. let Brian uh, take uh, let me, a stab let me, at Let it. me
3: take a stab at that, Fred. Uh, first of all, I, my, my first recommendation, no matter who it is, a family member or a friend, would be to replace all four tires. the okay. The age of those those two tires that you've got right now are you know even if you can find exactly the same tire, they're you know the the age on them is going to affect their performance and ultimately. You know, as I mentioned, the the tires are that first that first form of contact with the road, and they're so important. So, you know, that that's your first level of safety. So, if if you can replace all four tires and do it, maybe sell the sell the two on on uh, you know Kijiji or something. But uh, um, I would replace uh, all four tires if you could, especially if if those other two have some age on them.
2: Was it a case of you know why did two wear out much quicker than the other? Did, had you not rotated them? Uh, no, I hadn't okay but essentially so they're all the same age as Brian was asking right I, I, I believe they're all the same age and he said that just two
1: the the, the front two um, uh, should be are still good he was saying is they still have you know a fair bit of tread on them and they're still all right but the back had worn more right and uh, you know I I I, I honestly don't do the 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 air check as I
2: should. I know right. that, but I I don't.
1: No um, problem. What, I know I should do it. Wait,
2: what, what year is your car? Your car? Two thousand twelve, uh, a
1: Subaru Legacy.
2: Okay. Well, you know, again, you mentioned it's an all-wheel drive, and it it is important that 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 you want all wheels turning at the same speed. Uh, some I remember some Dodges when they first came out with all-wheel drive. Um, they would break down uh, they wouldn 't work at all if you started switching tires around right. so, so it 's it's, it's a better thing and the other and besides tread depth, which is what you were talking about, as Brian mentioned, the age of the tire um, as a matter of fact on dave 's video he 'll explain how you can read the date on the tire. And, uh, you know, just like a loaf of bread, there's a best before date. And uh, Yeah,
3: there sure is. And, and especially with cars that don't get driven a lot, um, you can easily fall into a trap where you're riding around on, on six, eight, ten-year-old tires. And those are really not good to be driven on.
2: Well, no. And, and of course, you so you can't see inside the tire. So you could have the beginning of a tread separation yep. or the, the cords. Uh, you get moisture inside the steel belts. Although steel is good when it's clean, when it starts to rust, it it, it loses all its, its strength. All right, we've got uh, Philip on the line. He's got a Buick. We'll take his call right after this break. And, uh, again, if you need any more information, go to Dave's Corner Garage. We've got lots of stuff there. As a matter of fact, there's a LeaseBuster TV show there as well. And uh, let's say, for example, you got your Visa bill. It's a whole lot of money. I don't know if I can make the payments. Uh, go to LeaseBusters, and they'll show you how you could you know, get rid of some of those bills real quick. This is Dave's Corner Garage, and we'll be right back. And we're back. We're back with your calls, and uh, we're going to talk to uh, Philip, who's in Markham, who's got a Buick. What's happening to your Buick,
7: Phil? Well, uh, good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. I'm having problems with my 2006 Buick What's it doing? The, the problem was uh, I'm talking about back in November 2017. I had a uh, the engine the engine light show on my car. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I went to the place I go for my car, and he said, you need, you need a thermostat. Right. That's well, good. No problem. He put a mm-hmm. the thermostat. Love living is okay. The middle of December, before Christmas, engine light come on again.
2: Have you, did you go back to the guy?
7: I went back to the guy. And what so He you... tells me the computer that then doesn't tell the thermostat to, to open. Okay. Let's, we'll fix that. Okay. Today, yesterday, I was driving. No problem. See The engine you know, the light come on again. Mm, so now, uh, this morning I get out, I went for the long drive for 45 minutes, and it's mm-hmm. cold water, that the car warm up good, completely, nice oh, heat in the car, mm-hmm. does it overheat, the car doesn't overheat. Perfect. I, I park it in, in the garage,
2: Uh huh.
7: I went half an hour later to move the car, Yeah. there's no drops, there's no, nothing. I don't see anything. I can't understand why the engine light is still on on this car.
2: Well, see, right now we don't know why the engine light is on, okay? Because okay. there's a hundred different reasons why it could possibly come on. And uh, just to give you a quick lesson here, you see, let's say, for example, your thermostat was a problem. Your engine, the code that normally comes up for that is, tells you that the engine is cooling up too fast, okay? Um, and thermostats wear out, and there's no question that uh, if you needed it. And it wasn't that big a repair anyway. No, okay. And, and like you say, you've confirmed now essentially that... It must be working because you know it's minus fifteen up there in Markham today. Uh, yeah,
7: it was good in the in the, in the car. In the, in the in the car, the heat was normal heat, perfect. It was exactly great. so.
2: And, and is there a temperature gauge on the dashboard as well on your car? Y- yes, it is. Okay, so when you're driving down the highway, it pretty much stays in the middle. In the middle, that's right. That's good. Well, I I, I would assume that your thermostat is working fine. Um, if there's no drivability issue, uh, you know, you don't have to jump on it immediately. Uh, again, it could be a couple of different things because when one thing doesn't work it stops the computer from doing other tests we see that in the emissions part of the car all the time Boy. so um so again it can be somewhat complicated um i would have the guy scan it for you hopefully he wouldn't charge you you were just there recently uh, I,
3: hope, I hope not that you're right yeah the scan doesn't take very long anyway
2: Okay, no. so uh, you know, again, we don't know what it is right now. Have them scan it for you, and if you have any questions, you know, call me back next yes, week. And
7: can you, you know, a, a very, very brief, quick question. Yeah. Now, if I drive this car, yep. like I'm going, to, my wife will argue, not argue, I would disagree a lot of things. She doesn't want to go. I said, it's not wrong with the car. It doesn't show anything in the car, in the, in the panel. Just the engine light. So you can tell I'm her okay.
2: that Alan said it's safe to drive. And, and Brian says it's safe Alan to drive, Alan and Brian, yeah. those two guys from the radio said it's okay for you to drive it.
7: Thank you very much for the answers, and I'm going to try to scan it to see what's wrong with it. All right, good luck. Thanks very much. Have a good day. You You're too.
2: very welcome. I'm glad we fixed it. Yeah, it's fixed now. Yeah, and we do marital advice as well, eh? I,
3: I didn't realize this was a marriage
2: advice. show. <laughs> well, you know, maybe that's what the whole issue was my wife be. says we can't take the car I'm gonna phone those two guys in the radio and they're gonna give me the truth we've saved a marriage yeah well I mean let's let's just give it one caveat here provided the light is on solid yes. and that is the yellow light not a red light or flashing exactly then your car still is safe to drive that's right if it's flashing that's bad news that's right and normally you you know when it does flash um you'll feel it I mean, it's not (laughs) a case of having to be a car care expert, you know. Yes. I step on the gas, and the car shakes like a leaf. Uh, That's why the light's flashing, and you shouldn't take it up on that trip on the highway. No. All right, we got Gary in London, who's got an HHR. We're talking about thermostats earlier. We're talking about one now, too. Gary? Hey,
8: how you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, You sound taller since Dave ain't there.
2: (laughs) I'm sitting in the higher chair, actually.
8: Okay. Uh, Yeah, Uh, when we had that real cold snap for... um Here in London, um, my gauge didn't work uh, for the temperature and the readout.
2: It didn't work, or you were stone cold in the car? No, no, no.
8: It it was warm in the car, but the The gauge gauge didn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the readout was just uh, three uh, uh, lines on it, so Mm -hmm. I just dumped the code, and uh, it started working again. So what I've been doing, I know it's a 180 thermostat. Yeah? So, um, yeah, I've been putting it on the Fahrenheit scale, because I can't read Celsius. I have no clue. No problem, yeah. So it's been going anywhere, you know, from 180 up to 206 and back down to 172. And mm-hmm. all that. Is that all right?
2: Yeah, it should be fine. I mean, okay. uh, but now th- these readings that you're getting, where are you taking them off? The actual dash gauge? Yep. Okay. I'm I'm, so, I'm kind of confused because initially you said the gauge wasn't working on the dash.
8: Yeah, well, there is a gauge, and then there's a readout below uh, where the O'Donnell is. Ah, oh, right. Okay, right, right, super. Right. So I just keep it on that so, you know, I can tell if it's going to boil over or it's not warming up or whatever, so...
2: We see there. There may be two different temperature sensors on that vehicle. There's a, a coolant temp sensor that the computer is getting info to to know what to how to adjust your mixture, mm-hmm. and then there could be a, just a simpler dumb thermostat in there or temp sensor for the gauge. Um, the other issue these vehicles have as well is that the the dashboard is a communication you know center where information comes in goes through it and goes elsewhere uh, a lot of these vehicles uh, we just actually did some gm vans um, last week and the dashboard stops functioning the gauge the needles will all bounce back and forth um but again as long as you're reading those now just just to confirm the that you're able to drive it still if your car was actually overheating you know where the fans didn't come on or or the temperature was reading into the red uh your engine light would come on and and it's not coming on now is it
8: uh, no, it, it initially uh, initially did. I drove it for a while uh-huh. and because uh, the gauge wasn't coming on. I'm like, what's this all about? And right. by the time I got home, the engine light came on, the yellow one, and it stayed on yellow. Mm. And I just dumped it and it read a P128 code, which was cool in temperature. temperature.
2: So. Right, right. Well, that's usually for cold. Hmm. Well, as long know. as you got heat in the car, I think you would be fine. Um,
8: okay, what would it be in Celsius so I don't have to keep changing it back to English or metric?
2: I'd I, I Google it.
3: If you've got a smartphone, you can get an app for your smartphone. I, don't, I can't remember what the, uh, the math is, but it's pretty easy.
2: And if you've got an old phone and you, you don't care about it, wrap it on top of the dashboard. That's hey, believe right. Believe it or not,
8: I have a rotary dial phone at home.
2: Oh, perfect. Okay. Then, Whack then, uh, the top of the dash. Yeah and uh, and see if your gauge starts working.
8: Okay, yeah, but, it is working now. Once I dumped the code, it was fine. All
2: right, perfect. Okay, all right, thanks, thanks for calling. Thanks. Take care, Gary. Stay warm out in London. That's London, the, the fake London, not the real London. Anyways, this is Dave's Corner Garage. We've got a few minutes left. We've got a couple callers online. We will take those calls and pass out some more information to you right after this break. This is Dave's Corner Garage. All right, we're back. Technology, You know, it's, it's, it's coming quick, and they keep telling us that soon we're just going to have to, uh, you know, use an app on our phone and get a vehicle come to our door, and there won't be a driver, which will be kind of scary. Brian, do you think it's going to come that fast?
3: You know, it's not. And, and unfortunately, what's happening in the mainstream media is they're talking about, you know, next year or the year after, like 2019, 2020. Right, right,
2: right. Well, here GM announced that yep. in, in Detroit that by 19, which is only a year from now, they're going to have driverless bolts on the road, and you
3: know they probably are, and they might have a couple dozen, but those are not going to be av- available for customers
2: to buy. Uh, so they're still going to be for testing in the beta stage.
3: The, yeah, it, it's all for, for testing because there, there's so much that ha- so much development that has to happen, especially mm-hmm. on the software side and and the hardware side. It's going to be it's going to be fifteen years before we really see those pure autonomous cars on the road.
2: Well, finally, the, the, the Ontario government is allowed the testing up here. Um, most of the testing is done down south, right? That's right. There's a, there's a lot of testing in the U.S. southwest, right. in
3: California and Arizona, where the roads are very reliable and very clear. So you don't have a whole lot of snow. No, there's no snow. Imagine that.
2: Well, they use, for the most part, it, isn't it, it it's, it's called LIDAR. Can LIDAR see through the snow?
3: I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Um, you know, there, and there's there's various inputs. There's there's map data. There's GPS data, but you know, as as uh, as you know, road conditions change all the time. Even if it's in a place like Southern California or Arizona.
2: Well, sure. I mean, what what about potholes and stuff? I mean, I wonder if the camera knows. You know, well, it can't see a pothole if it's not marked.
3: Actually, Ford has technology that, that will soften the suspension, basically, retract it to, yeah, I mean, they'll soften the dampers when uh, when it appears, uh, when a puddle appears in its uh, path.
2: Oh, but that's if they can see it.
3: That's if they can see it, of course. <laughs> if they yes, they can
2: Yes, All right, we're going to go to Pauline. She's going to be our last caller, probably in Mississauga. Pauline, what can we do for you?
5: Oh, hi. I've got a 2010 Nissan Sentra. Uh huh. And I know it's cold out. But when my car, when I start my car up, and even after I drive it for a few, for about ten minutes,
2: mm-hmm.
3: it
5: sounds like a truck. Okay. So um, I know when I mentioned it to my mechanic, he goes, "Well, your voice changes when you get older," and I you know. But sometimes it really bothers me. Is there something that I can do to minimize that sound?
2: Did you usually sound different before?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to have a voice so like. Um,
2: <laughs> All right, what I think he's missing the point here, it sounds like, and, and uh, I, I, I don't know, I guess he hasn't considered it. You say it sounds like a truck. Now, normally people will talk about that when they hear a loud sound. That loud sound is usually an exhaust kind of noise, like a hole in your muffler kind of sound. I
5: just had a new muffler put in about a year ago.
2: I understand that, but oh. I'm trying to help you here. Come on. <laughs> um, so it can happen, yeah. for example. You see, normally when you're talking about getting your muffler fixed, you're talking about... You know, a tailpipe, a center pipe, a muffler. But up in the front of the vehicle, um, and we see this a lot on certain models, you get a crack in the manifold or the manifold gas can, can blow out. Um, and what happens is this. The scenario is usually you hear it when the car is cold because yeah. everything is smaller um you know like if you do a a polar bear dip you you Mm -hmm. have shrinkage right right you can't help it that's right 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 same kind of thing and you'd probably make a sound like a truck
0: like that (laughs) (laughs) oh oh my
2: god uh but mind you i think it'd bring up my voice if anything um so anyway so yeah you have that shrinkage when it's cold so the exhaust is leaking now as soon as it warms up a bit and it tightens up you don't hear that sound anymore um so when your car is warm it's not there correct
5: Yes, yeah, so it runs like a pussycat after.
2: Okay, well, what I probably suggest is is go back to the guy and say, "Listen, how about I leave my car here overnight so you mm-hmm. can start it cold, and then you can hear what I'm after? Uh, mm-hmm. Because if it's just starting, it may be difficult to eyeball. Um, mm-hmm. If it's been there for a while and he lifts it up, sometimes you know how we do it is we'll have someone plug off the tailpipe. And uh, if there's a leak ahead of it, you know, you're going to usually hear it or see it. Or you may even see, you know, black stains from, you know, where the exhaust was leaking out. So it can Uh, be found.
7: Okay.
5: As I look after my car, I've changed all my fluids. I'm constantly oil changing. And any time a part needs to be replaced, so it's, and it runs like a pussycat all the other time. And in the summer, you don't hear it.
2: Uh, Pauline, do you get your car sprayed?
5: No, I, I've been
2: listening to it. Well, why don't you hang on the line and, and, and uh, Sebastian will take your number and you'll even be able to take better care of it and it won't even cost you. So that's, that's the way oh, to that's do awesome. it. That's awesome. All right, hang on the line and we're going to fix you up.
5: Thank you very much.
2: Well, Brian, we had a whole lot of fun today, eh? We sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Talked about all these different things. Uh, if it snows, your your car's going to get lost. And, but even Chrysler's doing it as well. But here, enough, sure enough, where do they, where did they get licensed to test these in Arizona and California?
3: That's right, where they're you know they're
2: pushing those uh, those boundaries of technology. Um, but but question, I mean, you know, you have guys like you and me who like to enjoy driving cars. Mm-hmm. What's the percentage? Like, I, I I'm thinking there are young people nowadays, and I, and I see it in the repair aspect because either they don't know that they need to get them fixed or they ignore the problems altogether. right? Like there's a lot of people that aren't interested in cars.
3: Yeah, I have I have one of those uh, children myself. He's uh-huh. he's not interested and I think I think the world would be a better place when there are autonomous cars for him <laughs> to transport himself in.
2: Does he have a license?
3: Uh no. He well he does, but he's never really driven.
2: Wow. Yeah. So I you know for us older older guys, that's that's kind of amazing.
3: Yeah. And uh, you know the the thing with autonomous cars, as soon as they're here, it's still the 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 way the automotive market works. It's still going to take twenty years for every car to get replaced with something
2: new. Exactly, it doesn't happen overnight. It will not happen like overnight. that. Switch from horses to cars took a little time. That's right. Well, thank you for coming down. If people need to get in touch with you or are looking for more information. Uh, d-
3: on the Internet, uh, everywhere, Brian Max, B-R-I-A-N-M-A-K-S-E. Thanks for taking the time to come down. Thanks for having me, Alan.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Dave will be back next week, I'm told, unless he finds it too nice to, uh, <laughs> oh, it was so nice. Why would I want to come home to weather like yours? That, that sounds just Sebastian, like Sebastian, thanks for helping us. Thanks to uh, our friends at Crown. And uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Drive safe.
0: Who cares about the clouds and we're together? Sunny
1: happy trails to you. Till we be happy to you.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from ten to eleven.